everyone. Welcome once again to The Blueprints. This is Canada's conservative podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Schmell, member of Parliament for Halliburton, Kawartha Lakes, Brock, with new content for you every single Tuesday. On today's show, we are talking about the Liberals' $1 billion slush fund, so please like, comment, subscribe, and share this program. Of course, if you want Pierre Polyev to be the next Prime Minister, eyes and ears have to see and listen to the message here, because you're not getting it from the mainstream media so you can listen to it, tell your friends, download it on platforms like CastBox, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. So to talk about that slush fund, much, much more, we have Michael Barrett, a good friend of the show, coming back on once again. The Member of Parliament for Leeds, Grenville, Thousand Islands, and Rideau Lakes, also the Critic for Ethics. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure to be here. I got your writing right, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you knocked it out See, of the park. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, better than any of the speakers in the House are able to. Absolutely. See, that's, that's not what I'm auditioning for, though. So billion-dollar slush fund, the Liberals have this green technology slush fund. You've been going at it hard at committee, trying to expose. Uh, well, we'll talk about the, the $200,000 gift, but uh, let's talk about the slush fund. What is it? What's going on? What are you doing at committee? So Sustainable Development Technologies Canada has a billion taxpayer dollars and a Liberal-appointed um, board chair who is supposed to be funding um, you know, green tech startups. Uh, whistleblowers came forward about a year ago and brought their concerns to the Prime Minister's Department, the, the Privy Council Office. Well, they referred them to the Industry Minister's Office. And the... Uh, so it was a big priority. So big priority. Huge priority. Big priority. And the uh, Industry Minister um, then received a, an independent report that they had asked for from a company called um, Raymond Shabbat Grant Thornton RCGT. And, um, and this report sampled just a small number of projects. So the, the slush fund has funded hundreds of projects. They sampled um, about two dozen, and they found $40 million in ineligible payments that were made. So funding that was not um, appropriate for the contribution agreement as it's set out um, by the, the rules that they have with the government of Canada. So on on just a handful of projects, they found $40 million. It identified gross mismanagement and conflicts of interest. So we had them at committee. And of course, there was a lot of resistance from the liberals about, about getting these officials to come to committee. And within a two-week period, we had the Auditor General investigating, even though the minister said there's nothing to see here. We have the CEO, who has now resigned under this uh, under the Auditor General investigation, the cloud of that. Then I wrote to the Ethics Commissioner, the Interim Ethics Commissioner, identifying a problem with, you know, you talked about this $200,000 number. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I wrote a letter to the Ethics Commissioner, and the Ethics Commissioner says, yep, we're going to launch an investigation into the Liberal-appointed board chair, Annette Versharen, and she resigned uh, on learning that she's now under investigation, which it doesn't get her uh, no. away from, from the light of it. So um, that's within two weeks. The CEO and the board chair both resigning, Auditor General and Ethics Commissioner investigation, and the industry minister said he has full confidence in, in the process and the board and uh, doesn't want anyone to, um, to worry. Uh, they've got this well in hand, only $40 million. It's all under control. All under, all under control. So this board chair decides we're going to move a motion to give her company $200,000 in contracts. Yeah, a little more than $200,000. And she said that it's fine. She didn't break any rules. She's good. She asked her lawyer, yeah. and her lawyer said, yep, that check will clear. Gotcha. So I guess everyone, would, uh, you know, 
$40 million. Some, some questions around that. I guess she thought, well, might as well try to get my company some of this action. Yeah, what's a couple hundred thousand dollars between friends, right? And when pressed, we also learned that the, the company that um, she controls, that she directed this 200 plus thousand dollars to, she then drew $120,000 from that company. So, uh, so she's doing hard work. Well, she would yeah. say so. And of course, this is, um, this is a blatant conflict of interest. At the very least, it's the appearance of a conflict. But um, this, this stinks to the high heavens. And that's why um, a fact-finding exercise that was done, that RCGT report, found tens of millions of dollars in ineligible payments. And, um, and it's important to note, Jamie, that um, when the Auditor General, the, the Deputy Auditor General, came before a committee a couple of weeks ago, the Liberals said, well, you know, this fund existed when there were Conservatives in government, so your audit's going to cover that period, right? And he said, absolutely not. The Auditor General investigated uh, the um, Sustainable Development Technologies Canada through to 2017. Everything we're talking about has been part of the umbrella of corruption, scandal, waste, and mismanagement of Justin Trudeau and his NDP Liberal government. That's exactly what this, this Auditor General report's going to look at. And the Ethics Commissioner um, is specifically targeting Trudeau's handpicked chair. This is a uh, this is a liberal corruption problem, and it's part of this pattern that we've seen, of course, that I've been on the show to talk about uh, too, many, too many times. Many times. Too many times. So we we have a slush fund uh, given out to to all these companies, forty million dollars with a big question mark around it. As we kind of dig deeper into it, Canadians are struggling. Canadians are hurting. There's a lot of misery out there, all created by this government. And we have proposed solutions for pretty much all of the problems that this government has created. At the same time, liberals just continue to do what they do best, be liberals, and just dig dig into the, the cookie jar. This is unbelievable. It, it really is unbelievable because there's a blatant conflict of interest where you have the board chair who moves the motion herself, didn't just passively vote or just sit on her hands and not and not raise her hand when it was time to award her own company and herself um, this money, but moved the motion. And this is beyond, um, th this, is, this, is, this is really what it looks like after eight years of, of Justin Trudeau, because um, you said Canadians are struggling and these insiders continue to get paid. They get paid if they're former Liberal MPs. Uh, we saw that with contracts, you know, um, for, for ventilators that no one ever ordered or, or, or used. We, we've seen this with uh, contracts for the small business minister's uh, um, BFF. She um, awarded uh, consulting contracts are found guilty of, of breaking ethics laws. We see this time and time again, and it starts from the top down. Justin Trudeau found guilty twice of breaking Canada's ethics laws. But it always comes back to liberals and liberal insiders getting paid and Canadians paying the price. And, and it's happening at a time when they can least afford it. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to see the numbers um, on paper about uh, food bank usage. But I know that, you know, over, over our constituency weeks and every time that we're in our community, we see firsthand people in our community and we hear from them who are, are struggling, people who are working one job, yep. two jobs, and going to the food bank because of the policies of Justin Trudeau's government. And um, it's it's devastating for them to see this kind of uh, corruption and insider dealing. Well, out of the $400 billion that was created out of thin air, half of which the parliamentary budget officer confirmed that had nothing to do with COVID, but was couched in the language of COVID. Had, had the Liberals 
stuck to some fiscal responsibility through this the the crisis the the inflation misery that we're 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 feeling we're experiencing right now that are hurting as you said regular normal canadians might not have been so bad but the the liberals just could not help themselves no and and it's stacked it, it's it's one set of bad fiscal decisions stacked on top of others and so um their inflationary spending which didn't uh, address the needs of of covid like uh, like they claimed it had but has been evidenced that that was not the case um and it's and it's made all the worse by their inflationary carbon tax, which they continue to hammer Canadians with. And we've the the price at the grocery stores are are just out of control. And the, the fight has been on to get a private members' bills passed um, to have farmers exempt from the carbon tax for for things like you know grain drying and heating and cooling on their farms. And the Liberals are doing everything they can to block it. But we know that it's going to help take pressure off of food prices. Yep. We, we, we know that, and they are ideologically opposed to doing that. They, they claim that, um, that this is all about you know, doing the right thing for the environment, except when it's exposed to be a political, uh, a political um, agenda item, and they saw that it was causing them political pain in Atlantic Canada, and that's why they exempted um, oil heat from their carbon tax. It's, it's ludicrous, it's 100% political, and it's and it is driving pain for millions of Canadians. It's not about helping people at that point. If you are taking off the tax because you are going to lose potential seats in certain parts of the country, that's not about helping people. It's exactly. not about going, well, we understand people are struggling. You can't feed your families, maybe not pay the mortgage. You're being evicted from your apartment. It's about, well, we might lose the next election. We can't have that. So let's let's do let's take away our policy our our key priority that they said was going to save the planet they're taking it away for a few years until after the next election and then those in atlantic canada and elsewhere that are 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 struggling now they will feel the increased price when it comes back and and they've said and this undermines their entire argument that 80% of canadians get back more from the uh, the carbon tax rebates and they pay into it. Well, if that were the case, um, Keep why, it on. why yeah. do they need to take it off? Why are they exempting the dirtiest form of home heating from the carbon tax if people are better off for, for paying it? So aren't they actually, by their own logic, taking money out of people's pockets? Of course, that's not what's happening. This, this scheme that they have trying to dupe people into thinking that they're getting back more than they pay in um, it just goes back to the root where they they, they believe that um, that money you know comes out of out of thin air that people can can draw more out than they're actually and there'll be no there. consequences when you create currency when you expand the money. So, well, that's right. It's it's a, a part of a series of of broken political promises by Justin Trudeau. They said the budget was going to balance itself, and now Canadians are being crushed crushed by debt servicing costs in this country, costing tens of billions of dollars and. Um, the pain is real every day, and all the while, uh, corruption runs rampant in Liberal Ottawa. I think this is the fundamental difference, one of the many fundamental differences between Liberals and Conservatives, right? Conservatives want you, the individual, to have as much money as you can, while obviously funding certain government services, uh, but then being able to, to make your choice based on what's best for your situation. 
the, the liberals would like to take as much money as they can get from you and then decide what you then qualify for in terms of grants, in terms of credits, that type of thing, right? In Atlantic Canada, they're saying heat pumps are the way to go, right? Right or wrong, I, I, that's for the individual to decide. But at this point, it's, it's the government that has said, this is the one and only path that we want you to follow. And if you do, you get some money. Back. Well, and they claim that it's always done in this wealth redistribution scheme that they're taking from the haves and giving it mm -hmm. to the have-nots. But as evidenced by scandal after scandal, tens of millions of dollars, w we saw that they, um, they racked up massive consulting costs to ask consultants about how to save money on <laughs> consultant spending. And this year, the Liberal government, though they promised that they would, they would reduce spending on consultants, will have spent more on outside consulting agencies while having the largest public uh, service in history. So they've never spent more on consultants and they've never had more public servants. So um, it, it's, it's baffling. But why is the money going to these, these consulting firms? Because they're insiders. These are friends of the prime minister. These are friends of the liberals. So it's not about giving money to the have-nots. It's about giving money to the have-yachts. They always want to improve the, the standing of, um, of their friends and, uh, and, and liberal insiders, their donors. And uh, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there's the the uh, the donations back at some point, I'm, I'm sure, or in some fashion, some way, volunteers, who knows. Before I get on to the next topic, what what is next at committee as you investigate this green billion dollar slush fund? What are you doing next? Well, we need we need more information. These, this all came to light because of whistleblower revelations. So um, we're going to look to have the whistleblower come before committee. We've got to get through the interference of the NDP liberal government so that we can actually get it on the committee agenda. It's incredibly important. But since we first brought this forward, conservatives brought this motion forward at committee and we fought tooth and nail to have, um, to have hearings on this. Like I said, we have um, a, a, an auditor general investigation after I wrote to the auditor general. We have an ethics commissioner investigation after I wrote to the ethics commissioner. We have the CEO who's resigned and the and the, um, the board chair who have resigned um, after we questioned them at committee. So let's, uh, we're going to have to hear uh, what the whistleblower has to say. When we, uh, I'll leave you with this, Jamie. When we asked the minister, um, Philippe Francois Champagne, if he'd read the 300-page dossier that was given to the ministry by the whistleblowers, he said, no, no, I, I, I haven't read that. Uh, uh, of course, Why would you waste his time with why, that? Why, why, why? Because he knows what it says, that, that, that his buddies and buddies of, of the Liberal Prime Minister are, um, are taking Canadians for a ride. Liberal insiders get paid, Canadians pay the price, and uh, we're going to keep digging. Well, actually, Canadians are paying the price, mortgage rates, uh, people are struggling with the, the new refinancing that's coming up and will come up. Let's queue up cut three. We have a little exchange in the House of Commons between our leader, Pierre Polyev, and uh, the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Um, let's queue up cut three, and we'll discuss it in just a second. And now one-fifth of all Canadians are actually unable to pay the interest on their mortgages. Their mortgages are growing in size. When they renew, it will be at a bigger principle at a higher rate. Yeah. How many Canadians will go bankrupt, and will we have a mortgage crisis when that happens? Yeah. Yes or no? The right honourable Prime Minister. 
Speaker, we know Canadians are struggling right now. I heard from a mom from Oakville who actually said that uh, her, in, her mortgage prices, mortgage costs went up the same amount as her childcare costs came down. Thank God they cancelled each other out, but people should be doing better than that. That's why we're going to be able to continue to be there for Canadians. What's the solution to another government program? It's, un it's unbelievable. How would it touch is this prime minister? And and this is this is their this is their plan. They're going to borrow more money um, to um, to shell out to Canadians um, who are hurting because of the policies. It's the same path we took to get here. It's it's exasperating to to listen to uh, Justin Trudeau talk about this. Um, I, I know that we're on the the verge of a fall economic statement, and um, we'll have a budget soon thereafter. Um, we. I, I get asked all the time. I'm sure you do too. Well, what are your solutions? So we hear what your problems are with the liberals. Our solutions are very straightforward. And I, and I am certain that in tomorrow's fall economic statement, and I'm certain that in, a, in the upcoming budget, that the liberals aren't going to take the path of least resistance to get the answer. Why? Because they're common sense solutions. And our common sense solutions are, are very straightforward less bureaucracy so that we can build homes. But his answer is always about programs yep. and bureaucracy. It's big government and bigger government, two speeds. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and their carbon tax, they're going to, not only are they going to, are they keeping the carbon tax in place for the majority of Canadians on the majority of things, which is driving up the price of heating homes, uh, feeding families, putting, you know, gas in the car so people can get to, get to work at doctor's appointments. They're not just going to keep it on. They're going to raise the, the price of, uh, of everything. They're going to quadruple that tax. So it's, it's unbelievable. They also need to stop their inflationary spending. The, the problem is, is that they don't know that they have this, this problem. And the, the best thing that they can do is to just stop spending. If they have something else they need to spend money on, they need to do exactly what people do in, in their households, what people in our communities do, what we do in our own households. If you have a, a new dollar of spending, you have to find a dollar of savings because there's a limit uh, every single month, and um, and they don't understand that, and, and they just keep they just keep you know spending the uh, spending the the cupboards bare. Well, it's common sense, and common sense isn't too common in the liberal caucus these days. Let's uh, quickly talk about the fall economic statement that we got to get out of here. Uh, it's coming down in just a few hours, so let's queue up cut number two. It's the finance minister and all her wisdom here talking about what she's going to do. Let's play cut two next Tuesday. I will be delivering our government's fall economic statement. Our fall economic statement is based on a responsible fiscal plan that allows us to invest in what Canadians need right now. That is why the fall economic statement will be focused on two key challenges, making life more affordable for Canadians and taking further concrete action on housing. We know this is an urgent priority for Canadians, and we believe that at the heart of this issue is supply, supply, supply. Well, I'm not sure if you're going to be addressing the supply issue if your bureaucracy is bigger than it's ever been in Canadian history. And at the same time, you're not going to, as you said a few minutes ago, tackle the affordability crisis if you're continuing to borrow to pay your, air fingers go, priorities. Yeah, exactly. They continue to raise taxes on, on Canadians when they can least afford it. And they're borrowing money um, for programs that 
um, aren't going to address the needs that Canadians have today. And my goodness, I have never seen so many photo ops and press releases um, to address a problem. It took them uh, the better part of a year to spend a nickel or to announce the spending of a nickel out of their so-called housing accelerator fund. Um, and they, they, they built nothing. They built, they built no houses. So um, it concerns me to hear that um, they're going to talk about opening the, the floodgates of spending so they can get things, uh, get things built when, um, you know, more than a year after they announced this housing accelerator fund. Um, and of course, this comes from the prime minister who uh, in the last what, couple months, uh, four months, said that housing isn't even a federal responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's because he's failed to deliver on his, his uh, successive campaign promises to address the housing crisis in this country. And, you know, frankly, his policies, you know, are, are, are driving that housing crisis. And I don't expect to see real solutions, common sense solutions in the economic uh, update uh, from, the, the, from the finance minister today. So, um, you know, we're going to keep pushing. You know, uh, we, we've heard from, you know, our leader, Pierre Polyev, the common sense solutions that this liberal government can adopt. We know that they're not going to, you know, pick up a, a, the conservative, um, all of our conservative ideas and say, okay, let's march forward with this. But my goodness, just, just stop raising taxes on Canadians. That's something that they can do today. If they, want, if they want to tackle affordability, that should be the top line in, you know, in the, in the minister's uh, announcement later today. You know what? We're not going to spend anything new and we're not going to raise any taxes and, you know, we'll have a new budget in the spring. And I don't know if their NDP dance partners would be okay with that. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I know there would be tens of millions of Canadians who would, would um, see that light at the end of the tunnel yeah. if they heard that. But uh, I don't think they're going to see that kind of common sense um, and better until uh, we have the opportunity to uh, take it to the polls. I can't agree with you more. As you know, the guests always get the last word, and we are pretty much out of time. Michael Barrett, the floor is yours. Well, you know, it's a pleasure to be here always, Jamie, and give, uh, you know, have the opportunity to share this message with Canadians. Um, waste, corruption, scandal, and mismanagement, it's been the hallmark of this NDP Liberal government. And after eight years, it's on full display yet again why Justin Trudeau is not worth the cost. And we're going to bring home accountability for Canadians. So I encourage everyone to, uh, to stay tuned and um, share this message with their neighbors because um, it's so important that we expose uh, this government for, for who they are. Michael Barrett, thank you very much for coming on. The Member of Parliament for Leeds, Grenville, Thousand Island, and Rita Lakes, also the Shadow Minister for Ethics. Thank you for your time. Thank you for yours as well. Remember, we have new content for you every single Tuesday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Like, comment, subscribe, and share this program. I guarantee you, you do not hear this message in the mainstream media, so we need these ears to hear it. We need the eyes to see it. You can also download on platforms like CastBox, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Till next week, remember, low taxes, less government, more freedom. That's the blue.